0: Good morning, and welcome to East Tennessee Now, a weekly public affairs program featuring some of the people and organizations that make our community such a great place to live, work, and raise a family. Here's your host for East Tennessee Now.
1: Good morning. I'm Michelle Silva. If you support our veterans and you like dogs, then I have a big treat for you this morning. Susie Kitchens who is one of the co-founders of the Smoky Mountain Service Dogs. Yes, we're going to hear all about them and then something special that they have going on right now a way that you can support the organization. It's a nonprofit organization operating with the help of a lot of volunteers. So let's welcome Susie Kitchens who is one of the co-founders always good to talk to you
0: and you too michelle thank you for giving me this time on your wonderful radio station oh
1: always especially when we're talking about puppies dogs service dogs trained to help out these veterans i've seen it because i remember i've done stories several times of the dogs that were in training
0: absolutely you have that's right amazing isn't it
1: it is it and let's talk about the organization first because you have some really exciting news but first Susie, explain how the group started
0: well, actually, there were a group of us that were sort of involved with a different organization, and we saw how powerful service dogs are for all different kinds of disabilities. And so we saw that there was a need to serve veterans. So we started this organization in 2010 and uh, got our charter in the state of Tennessee, our nonprofit uh, profit Uh, status and uh, in 2013 we placed our first dog Um, so from there we've done about 35 service dog placements we're very small we uh, only do about six to seven dogs a year Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because, as you can imagine with your coverage of the puppies, uh, we get a a puppy in our program at about six to eight weeks old, and then we grow and train that dog with the help of numerous volunteers and professional trainers. We uh, grow that dog till they're about two, two and a half, three years old, and then they are placed with a, a wounded veteran, that needs mobility assistance. So the type of dog we train are the dogs that help people pick up dropped items. They can hit the touch pad on an automatic door in a building. They can retrieve items from across the room. They can actually open and close drawers. They can actually, if you've got a front-loading washer and dryer, they can pull the clothes out of the washer and put it in the dryer. They what? They can
1: actually put the clothes in the dryer?
0: (laughs) Absolutely, now front-loading of course, but think about it, they're the hands and feet you know, for the veteran, especially those that may have prosthetics Um, we do, uh, we serve a lot of combat veterans. We serve veterans that have been injured in training accidents. We serve veterans that have been um, exposed to Agent Orange back in the Vietnam days and have systemic problems now that cause them to have neuropathy and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, um, And then some of our guys have been exposed to burn pits in Afghanistan. So a lot of uh, these are these are ongoing things that our wonderful veterans live with on a on a daily basis um, in order that you and I can you can work at the radio station and go on air and I can do the things that I do. And we can recreate and do all the things that all of the Americans want to do because of these wonderful veterans.
1: Absolutely. They have done so much for us. We we you
0: know, we have no idea. Exactly. Exactly. And that's been a real personal blessing to me, I guess, is because I am uh, currently, I am one of the co-founders, but I serve as the veteran liaison. So I take the veteran from the first time I get their application. I take it all, take them all the way through until we get them approved and matched and ready for training camp for a service dog. It's quite a journey for these guys to go through our program to get a service dog. And every one of them, if you look on our website, you can see our recipients and Every one of them has done their due diligence. They have worked hard, and uh, and they are they are excellent dog handler teams. Um, in addition to the mobility, our dogs, really, really shore up these veterans from the psychological side. Many, many, many of them do suffer from PTSD um, from their experiences of seeing and experiencing things that none of us can imagine unless you've been in a combat zone. And um, so our dogs are twofold in serving that veteran.
1: So explain how it helps them psychologically.
0: Well, If someone has been, uh, for instance, uh, if they were injured in an IED explosion in a a combat zone, when they get home, crowds, they can't do crowds. They're hypervigilant, so they're looking for the exit so if things get too hairy for them, they can get out quickly. Um, they have difficulty, some of them with traumatic brain injuries, have difficulty processing their thoughts, so they will avoid going into public because if they get in and they don't want anybody to know that there's anything wrong. And technically, if you look at a person that has really severe PTSD, they look just like you and I do. Mm-hmm. But on the inside, they are in this adrenaline rush uh a locked-in situation uh, with their bodies. So some of them, their hearts race, they sweat profusely, many of them have nightmares. So the service dog allows them, number one, when they go into public, they have a battle buddy with them all the time, and it mm-hmm. allows that veteran to, to really focus on their dog And so they don't have to worry so much about what's going on around them. For someone on prosthetics, if they drop something in the floor, the dog's going to be able to pick that up. So psychologically now they know if they drop their cane, they're not going to be an idiot trying to get something picked up out of the floor floor and you would be surprised how many of them do avoid that they are able to put a dog in a position to keep people from invading their personal space because they don't like people coming up behind them Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's a there's a a list of common um, responses uh, that uh, veterans with PTSD have and so our dogs are taught it the dogs actually once they're with a veteran, it's something that you can't really teach. The dog can actually sense when that veteran is becoming anxious. So there's a command called touch. And so if the veteran puts his hand on his leg, the dog will nestle his head right into his lap. Um, Uh And sometimes after the dog and the the veteran have been seasoned and they've bonded well, you don't even have to, they don't even have to give the command. The dog leans into them or will put their head on their lap and it just diffuses that anxiety that they feel. Um, And also depression and anxiety go along with PTSD. And so for depression, the dog, I mean, if the dog has to go out to the bathroom, then you got to (laughs) go. You don't get to stay in bed, you know, and the dog has to, has to be exercised. And so it makes the veteran more active and it helps them to be able to get moving and to engage in activities of daily living, you know, so. It's amazing um, the things that happened. Um, we did a um, and we did a I'll tell you very quickly about a uh, we did a social distance. Oh, I can did listen it.
1: to you all day, Susie, about about <laughs> the the service dogs and our veterans and how they're helping and how they are buddies. So you go right. on.
0: <laughs> well, we had this marvelous, uh, we, we had a social distance. We had a, a veteran who's in our application uh, process, and he came from out of town. So using our Tennessee and federal state guidelines, we were able to social distance and introduce a potential service dog match to this veteran. This Service dog is magnificent. He's honey colored. He's very affectionate. He is highly trained. He's one of our A students in the in our dogs in in our dog classes. He just does everything perfectly and he's wonderful. So we got to introduce the dog to this veteran. So when we started our process before we actually let the dog loose to come to the veteran, uh, we asked him several questions and everything and through his disability, he was closing his eyes, he was rubbing his arm, and you could see, you know, there was something going on there. So I sort of stopped and said, can you tell me what you're feeling right now? And he was beginning to get anxious because through his disability, it's hard for him to process information. so in order to keep up he 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 just sort of he can't so he just sort of goes into a little shutdown mode so we took a little quick break and then we moved forward so we get finished with the interview and some of the things that we needed to do so now we unclip the dog and he calls the dog to him i have never michelle seen a change in uh, in just from an introduction His eyes lit up. He became more animated. It was incredible um, watching this man interact with this dog. So obviously we had a wonderful match. (laughs) So he is a veteran that we will be bringing in. Uh, we've had to regroup all of our training camps and the whole way that we process people due to COVID-19. So we have a new process. But he'll be coming in to go through his training camp and to be able to take that dog home with him.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. I got the goosebumps during that story. I just love to hear that. And you know what? People, I guess, we don't see all the work that's put on behind the scenes of this program, too. You know, you're you have meetings with the the veteran himself, the dogs. You have the dogs going through training. There's a lot of expense as well, exactly. Um, Like how? Because use is it only golden retrievers at this time, or there?
0: Well, no, actually, we have our canine program manager has researched um, uh, Labrador retriever uh, breeders and also um, golden retriever breeders and so uh, we buy some and then we have some that are donated to us now Mm -hmm. i want to talk to the rescue shelter group listeners out there we have tried in the beginning we tried very hard to take dogs from shelters and repurpose them but when you choose a service dog for mobility work they have to be a certain size a certain temperament but you also have to clear their hips and their elbows from dysplasia before you can place a dog into mobility assistance placement. So we could not Uh, grow our program based on shelter dogs we do have the local shelters have uh, our information when they get a dog that we that they think might work Mm -hmm. uh, they get bring it to our attention and we evaluate it and if we can use it we certainly do it's expensive to we have to have them x-rayed of course in order to make sure that they will pass our health clearances and therein is where generally the dogs fail our our you know our program criteria for the dogs Um, but we bring them in uh, like I said about eight and a half weeks uh, or eight to ten weeks and they go through, uh, they go into a puppy raiser home for about the first year. Mm-hmm. Now, our, it's important to know that Smoky Mountain Service Dogs, we're sort of unique with a nonprofit that serves veterans exclusively because we are all volunteers, the board of directors. Everybody is a volunteer with the exception of we have four employees. We have three trainers, a canine program manager, and then we have a facility um, slash alternate trainer person so those are the only people that are paid Mm -hmm. so uh, we bring the dogs in and during the puppy they have puppy classes so the the puppy raisers bring the dogs in for puppy classes with the professional trainers and then once they get to about 10 um to 11 to a, a month old they come in they're rotated into the kennel and the professional trainers um, then start doing the the puppies learn their obedience Um, skills there's a couple of levels that they learn before they rotate into the kennel so they know the basic commands sit down so forth Mm -hmm. Um, then we begin the advanced levels because each one of our dogs knows about 35 to 40 different commands Some of those are positional commands. Some of them are retrieval commands, um, you know, and so forth. So there's different commands for different reasons. So the higher levels are uh, uh, imprinted on these uh, year-old dogs by the professional trainers. And then the dogs, they, they come in to work in the kennel and then on the weekends they go out with a weekend respite volunteer and stay in that home, and that way their home skills are kept up. They are not allowed on the furniture. They're working dogs, so the rules for working dogs are somewhat different. So um, and so they do that back and forth until they become all of the skills that they need have been imprinted on them through the professional trainers and then they go into an advanced trainer home and that advanced trainer actually almost uses the dog as if, as if he or she were the the, the uh, disabled veteran so uh, and then those dogs even continue to come for training until they get matched with the uh, veteran. The cat you ask about the expense, and um, the veteran does not pay anything for this dog. So he does have to pay a few of the travel expenses mm-hmm. sometimes, but those are reimbursable through the VA. So technically, by the time we finish training a dog, it's about a twenty dollars to $25,000 dog, each dog, by the time we pay the trainer, by the time we vet, you know, pay the vet bill, mm-hmm. keep them in good health and that sort of thing. So it, costs about 20
1: to 25 thousand dollars for each dog and we i Mm -hmm? want to stop you there just for one second because it is true that sometimes you know because you talked about the shelter dogs and how sometimes they don't always make it because of the physical reasons or whatnot and Mm -hmm. sometimes even the healthiest of the healthy dogs don't end up making the cut as much as they've been trained and everything
0: Yes, and they're taken into public even as puppies. under we we follow the the federal guidelines for service dogs and training, and so even our puppies can go into um as long as they're jacketed and and we do it you know according to the the guidelines, but they can actually go into public. So they are, Sometimes as the dog grows to, you know, gets into the year old and they get into what's their teenage or adolescent years, they, through, they will sometimes go through fearful periods. Uh, they, they can change somewhat so that if the trainers can't very slowly acclimate them to get past that behavior, then we do have to pull those dogs out of the program lots of times. We can, we can weed out aggression very quickly because you can tell early on if a dog is going to have a little bit more (laughs) power than he needs as a service dog in public, and so we can look at that relatively quickly, and the dogs are not, we teach our dogs not to bark, you know, so there's certain rules they have to go by, but the one of the bigger reasons, if a dog is very, very timid, it's very difficult for them to go, like even on, in Knoxville on, the, on Gay Street, where the buses are going by on, on, in our old days when life was normal, and lots of people and crowd and a lot of things going on, and that's when a person, a veteran, needs a dog to be very very stable and to stay beside them to stay in place and to be very stable that's why socialization is so important with our service dogs so you're right they don't always make it through the program and
1: you figure wow $20,000 gone so yeah, now just can, about. Yeah. yeah and okay now we need another dog to fit right. with a veteran so there's a lot of money involved exactly I've seen a lot of them in action and uh, just through, you know, uh, doing stories with you, Susie, and the Smoky Mountain Service Dogs organization, and mm-hmm. I saw them. I never saw them do the laundry. I guess we didn't get to the, <laughs> get to stay around for that. But I did see them. How I mean, I can't even barely pick up a coin or credit card on the ground sometimes, <laughs> and you know, and you, there they are.
0: Yep, exactly. In fact, that is amazing. We can actually put a credit card, and and, and it is it is amazing how the dogs do it. You can drop it on tile floor. You can drop it. In fact, part of the practice for that is our, our fosters will take the dogs, like, into a Walmart or, you know, to a store, actually drop a credit card near the checkout line. The dog can get it between his paw and his teeth and pick it up, and then actually put Place, raise up, and put place that credit card onto that conveyor belt.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! And that's
0: one of the things that they know to do. So uh, yeah. Um, and you talked about our trainers. You talked about the breed a while back. Our trainers like the food drive in the Labrador Retrievers and in the Golden Retrievers, and so that is the breeds that we uh, prefer. We stay mm-hmm. away from. Um, Used to, you saw shepherds. You know, mostly yeah. a long time ago. Seeing mm-hmm. eye dogs, as we called them back then, were shepherds, and a lot of the organizations have gone away from dogs that are used for twofold. Shepherds are used a lot for protection, and for you know, for odor detection work, and and for police work, and for some dangerous heavy duty jobs, and they're excellent at it. So our organization and a lot of um, Uh, service dog organizations sort of go toward the breeds that are more like family friendly that don't uh, have you to say oh is that a is that dog okay when you see a dog in public And
1: right there Susie I would love to ask you the question too because I think a lot of people don't realize it that when dogs are working dogs a lot of the times it's not a good idea to try to pet them
0: Exactly. Oh, great point, Michelle. What people don't realize, um, and we have had veterans in public that, where the, the the without even asking, people will walk right up and touch that dog. You have to remember these are working dogs, and their focus and what the handler of that dog, the veteran or whoever it is that has the service dog, that dog is supposed to have their total. Um, uh, concentration on the person they're working for. So even if you see a beautiful working dog and you go like, oh, look at that dog, that uh, voice uh, level, the eye contact, the focus of that dog away from you, away from their handler and onto you. So it's very, always ask if you uh, see a working dog in public, look at the person and ask if it's okay if you can uh, pet their dog. And then they'll put that dog in a position that the dog knows, and our command for that is visit. So our dogs are supposed to be in a seated position. And then the, the handler, the veteran, will say, please touch under his chin. Mm. And so we have a certain way that we, we teach uh, our dogs to be visited. So they can be, but you always should ask.
1: Right. I always thought that, too. And you should always ask any time you're trying to pet someone's dog, eat
0: any type it's of true. strange dog. Yeah.
1: yeah. You just never, never know. um uh, Exactly. Gosh, this is this is so exciting. Smoky Mountain Service Dogs. It's a nonprofit organization. You can always look on their website, so easy to get to. It is smokymountainservicedogs.org, so easy. Yeah. Susie Kitchen, one of the co-founders joining us on this beautiful morning. Uh, it is a beautiful morning because I get to talk about a charity that I love because it involves dogs and it involves veterans um, teaming them up so they they both have buddies. And we've talked about, gosh, the price of the dogs, how they are trained, why we don't use shelters, how, what they can do for the veterans. Well, now, Susie, what can we, the public out here, what can we do for the organization?
0: Wow. Well, um, thank you again, Michelle, for giving uh, me the opportunity to speak on behalf of the Board of Directors and all of us at Smoky Mountain Service Dogs, because we cannot uh, continue operations without wonderful volunteers. We have about 160 volunteers to date. Part of those are dog handlers. Part of those are people who help us in various uh, other areas, uh, you know, special events that we do and so forth. So, so we desperately always need volunteers. Uh, and you can it's all listed on the website of the different ways that you can volunteer. Our biggest need is puppy raisers. Volunteers are very important. So hit that website, go on to there if you need to. Obviously we need money to operate. So our money comes generally from uh, corporate donations. From individual donations and from our fundraisers and from grants, so we have about four different sources of of um, of fundraising. So um, the now we have this wonderful new project that we're so excited about, but it's ended up being uh, we we it's hard work. We have got to have your listeners to to really pinch in on this one. We have a new specialty plate for Smoky Mountain Service Dogs. It was designed by Robert Tino our local artist up in uh, who does a lot of wildlife, as you know, up in Sevierville, uh-huh. he created this for us. It has a golden retriever on the plate. It's red, white, and blue, and it is absolutely spectacular. So it's all on the website. So this specialty plate, any time that you develop have a new one for the state of Tennessee, of course, you have to pre-sell 1,000 plates before it goes into production. We're moving along but we really desperately need the help of your listeners, um, so we need to get to 1000 The plate costs about $35, and um, once we get 1000 signatures, we will send in our money. The plate will go into production, and then you would be notified through your county clerk's office wherever you register your car and this is across the state of Tennessee it's not just for our East Tennessee division it will be a Tennessee license plate for any Tennessean with a registered vehicle so um, we desperately need your help we will receive when those uh, I think every nonprofit that has a specialty plate receives about a little over fifteen dollars of every plate sold. So this is an ongoing uh, revenue generator for us, and the beauty of it is that it also helps us to let other people know about Smoky Mountain Service Dogs because you've got this gosh darn beautiful plate mm-hmm. on the back of your car.
1: Oh, that is so perfect, so fitting. I'm looking at the picture right now. They are gorgeous mm-hmm. plates, and for anyone who is interested supporting our veterans. And service dogs, the Smoky Mountain Service Dogs organization, needs your help, and all you have to do is get a license plate? That's so simple. Exactly. And it is true. The rest of us out there, we like to see from driving up from behind you, too.
0: Exactly. Right. <laughs> and, <you, laughs>
1: and spreading awareness. Look look how much you're doing just by buying a license plate.
0: Right. Who oh. doesn't love dogs and who doesn't want to support veterans? You know? Exactly. Everybody.
1: Yes. Well, I just want people to reach out to you, Susie. Even if it, if it's a small donation, whether it's buying a license plate or how they can help out um, with the dogs or maybe sponsor a dog, become the puppy. Was it the puppy raiser? There mm-hmm.
0: you go. <laughs> oh yes, we desperately need those. So if you're out there, if you have a family, if you have kids, um, it um, you know. Uh, and and you would be called, and once you fill out the information, the volunteer coordinators will contact you and explain everything to you and guide you through the process. And it's very, if you have a family, it's very uh, educational in learning about dogs and dog behaviors and how to train dogs. So the information that and the education that you get in in raising a, a puppy or even you know being a weekend respite, the education that you get about dogs is absolutely phenomenal that you can take on to your own pet dogs and those kinds of things so it's a really good program so I encourage everybody to everybody that can to to reach out for that program and especially our license plate as well our specialty Mm -hmm. plate.
1: I'm sure there are many folks out there that want to help, want to get more veterans paired with these service dogs.
0: We try not to get a wait list. We try to get our dogs once we get a veteran in the application process. We try to get that veteran placed with a dog within six months, six to eight months. Uh, after they apply. And in most instances uh, across the nation, the wait list is can be two to three years, if not longer. So we're very pleased that we can get these guys in, get them through the process, and get them matched with a dog and on with their life.
1: Susie Kitchens, we are out of time. It's been a pleasure. This half hour went by so quickly. <laughs>
0: It did. Thank you again, Michelle. I appreciate it. And thank you to all your listeners out there. So uh, we we would encourage you to support us. And we thank you in advance for those of you who
1: do. org Easiest place to get all the information you need, make your donation, support the organization any way you can, including buying those specialty license plates. Well, it has been a great morning. And thank you all so much for listening. I'm Michelle Silva. Remember, East Tennessee Now is available on demand as a podcast from iTunes, Google Play, and
0: Stitcher. You've been listening to East Tennessee Now a weekly public affairs program featuring some of the people and organizations that make Knoxville and East Tennessee such a great place to live. If you have a suggestion for the program, we'd love to hear from you. Our mailing address is PO Box 27100, Knoxville, Tennessee, 37927. Or call the studios at 865-525-6000. That's 865-525-6000. East Tennessee Now is a presentation of Midwest Communications Company.